your eyes on people all night long. So uh, if you're willing to do that, let me know uh, so I can get that date set in stone and start getting it out there because I would really like to see us grow and I think that'd be a good opportunity to get some people from Crest over here to hang out with us after the game. Um, don't forget about free, feeding the football team that day, that same September the 22nd. That gives us a, an even more opportunity to reach out to these kids if we're doing that. Um, I don't think I have any more announcements. Um, we have a baked potato lunch coming up after church on September 17th. Sign-up sheets are out here on the bulletin board. Can you do it online too? No, you can't do it online? All right. Uh, so be sure you sign up for that. Be sure you sign up for that. And um, just enjoy worship today. Hope you, hope you guys enjoy this worship service. Good morning. morning. I'm going to repeat one one thing that Chad said. But first, I want I'm up here to remind you or to announce to you that September is North Carolina Missions Month. So we are going to be taking up offerings that month for the North Carolina North Carolina missions. And I think that we have all of the information about North Carolina missions. There are um, brochures and all those things out in the vestibule area. They have um, what they do, um, mission opportunities, uh, ways to pray. Um, this week, starting today and running until next Sunday, September the 3rd, is their week of prayer. And so they have put out specific things that we can be praying for for them every single day. And there are some things on there. They have like medical teams and different things like that that we can't, I have no medical background. So <laughs> that's not something that I can do. But the one thing that I can do is pray. And I know that all of us can do that. So if you would go out and pick up information for the North Carolina Missions Board and say this week, I'm gonna pray because God hears our prayers. And that is powerful. So if we would take this week once every day throughout the day and we would pray for North Carolina missions, I think that would be a very powerful thing for us to do. And we're going to support even within our church because we have men that are a part of the North Carolina missions and they do things to support the North Carolina missions. So I would ask that you would join us in doing that. Um, we will have in your bulletins, Chad said, that there is a baked potato and salad lunch, and that will be collecting all donations for that will go to the North Carolina missions. Our goal this year is $2,000, the same as last year. We made our goal last year for $2,000. I would challenge you to ask the Lord that we would do that again this year, making that goal but that we wouldn't put them in a box. And we would ask them that we would exceed our goal for more than that. So um, please be in prayer this week for North Carolina missions and mark it on your calendars to come and have lunch with us on September the 17th. And there's a sign up sheet, like Chad said, out in the vestibule. Thank you.
Good morning. I know it's hot, but you know what? God's still in control. Do have a, a couple other announcements to, to make you aware of. That's a, they're in the bulletin, but there's two things. One is the deacon leadership training that's coming up. This is going to be at Poplar Springs Baptist Church. I believe it's the 12th of September. I need to know by this coming Wednesday, if you want to attend that. It's at 6.30 at night. They provide dinner, and then the program starts at 7. We are going to be looking at church health. How healthy is the church, our church? So if you're interested in going, I encourage all the deacons and the other leadership people that want to be part of that. There is no cost to us. But if you will let me know by this coming Wednesday so we can RSVP, and um, then we'll go over there and meet over there. Also, the 14th of September, they are doing a makeup orientation day for the jail ministry. With Cleveland County Sheriff's Office operating the jails, they allow us to go in and minister to those people that are there in the jails. But you have to have go through the orientation, be able to go. You'll get an ID made, everything else like that. They will tell you the do's and don'ts, what we can bring, what we can't bring. They will give you all that information and train you on what to do in different situations. They only do this training once every three years. So this is our last opportunity to take part. If you're interested, uh, look at the bulletin. The information's in there. You do not have to sign up. You just have to show up. So... Uh, Please be aware of that if you're interested. Just make sure you look at that and, and go. Also, um, continue to pray for Doyne and Linda Allison. If you're not aware, Doyne's surgery this past Monday to remove the tumor in his bladder did not go the way they wanted it to go. A 45-minute surgery ended up taking four hours or, or so. And um, they were not able to get the, all of the tumor. So he still has stuff. The, the biopsies did not come back in a favorable manner. And so just pray for him. He goes back on the 5th uh, for the follow-up to uh, decide at that time what to do. But please continue to pray for Doyne and Linda Allison. Also, Whitey is sick, so play, please pray for him to continue to get better. And just continue to pray for each other. Bible tells us that we are to lift each other up in prayer, so please do that. Now, at this time, as we begin our worship time together, please join me in prayer. Dear Lord, we humbly come about, uh, before your throne to lift your name on high. Dear Lord, we are gathered together in this house, in this place of worship, because of what you have done for us. Dear Lord, you cared enough about us that you sent your son to die for us, to shed his precious blood. And dear Lord, those of us that have accepted that fact, and we acknowledge the forgiveness of sin and the fact that you rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Dear Lord, we have come together in this place to worship you. Dear Lord, may your spirit have free reign among us today that 
Your spirit will move among us, that it will open our hearts and our ears as we receive your word today, that we will sing your praises to the best of our ability, that we will give you our best today. Dear Lord, as we go through this service, may everything that's done and said from the choir singing to Chad speaking with the children to me bringing your message that everything will be to your honor and glory. That you will take over this service and you will have your way with us today. As we continue to worship you, we continue to praise you. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. The song Joy to the World was not written intentionally for a Christmas song. It was intended to uh, make reference to Jesus' second coming, but it has become one of the most joyful Christmas songs that we do sing during the Advent season. And for the Christian, that is, it is so joyful to us because we understand what Jesus gave up for us so that we could live with him eternally. And the words were taken from Psalms chapter 98. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity. And the Bible tells us, if we don't praise him, who's going to? So let us stand as we sing loudly and joyfully, joy to the world. to our Lord.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you just for the opportunity to be here today. I just pray that you'll clear our minds and our hearts so that we just concentrate on you. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you through our singing, through our giving of our gifts. And I just pray that you'll use these to bless your kingdom. Bless the gift and the giver, for it is your holy name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, number three, Worthy of Worship. forward this morning. Alright guys, got a question. Who has ever been in a talent show? You ever been in a talent show? Where you get on a talent show, you get on stage and you perform what you're good at for other people. Have you ever did that? Could be singing. I did it one time. We had a talent show in the fifth grade, and me and my friend Josh thought we were going to be magicians, and we stunk the place up. I'm telling you, it was bad, okay? We were the laughing stock of the whole fifth grade. What did you do? It, we can won't, you show us? No, I won't show you because <laughs> I can do better magic in my sleep now, okay? So, um, uh, but there's a lots of shows about talent, won't you? There's like America's Got Talent. Isabel likes to watch that. There's, they get on and they show off their talent. Well, I want you to think about that word talent. What does it mean? What do you, what do you think talent means? Anybody? Somebody? Talent Anybody? means like, like, talent means 
Something you you're, are, you're good at. That. Something you're good at. Right. Okay. And so that's not what a talent originally meant. A talent way back in the day was a weight of money. It was an amount of money. It was a lot of money. And so Jesus told a story about talents, which you're going to hear about later. And so in Jesus' story that we're going to hear about, Jesus, the, the guy, it was called a parable. Jesus was the best storyteller ever. That's, why, that's one of the reasons why I love to read. The, I love to hear about Jesus. I love, I love Jesus so much. Because not, he, did die, he died on the cross for my sins, and that's like the main reason I love him. But like he's a great storyteller, and I love stories. Um, and so Jesus was the best storyteller. And he would tell stories in ways people could understand it. So he took that word talent that people could understand and uh, he used that in a story and he said that these guys took some talents and they had to take care of them for their master. And one, a couple of them buried their talents and brought, brought back what they started with. And a couple of, and then this one guy, he brought back way more than he started with because he took the talents that he was given and, you, and invested them. Well, so back to what I was saying about a talent being a sum of money. Later on, a talent was turned into something you do for money. Like if you're dancing or singing, and I will dance and sing if you guys really want me to. Yes! Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to dance and no, sing. No, you already did it. You already said it. <laughs> you're doing <Okay>. it. <laughs> Maybe later. Maybe in children's church. All right. Uh, but a talent is represents something, an ability, something that God gives you. And God gives you talents. And he doesn't want you, wants you to take your talents, wants you to take the things you're good at and hide them from the world. He wants you to use them to make God's kingdom bigger. How do we make God's kingdom bigger? We think, well, you know what? God is the ruler of the world. He has the biggest kingdom. How can we make that bigger? We make it bigger by going out and telling other people about Jesus and showing other people how awesome and amazing and wonderful Jesus is. And then those people come and they're like, huh, I'd like to know about this Jesus fella. And so we use the talents that God gives us to make the kingdom grow. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want you guys to be thinking, before we go to children's church, I want you guys to be thinking about what your talents are. And we're going to talk about how we can use those talents to grow God's kingdom. Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all the wonderful things you give us. Thank you for these wonderful kids that are here. Lord, we thank you for our abilities and our talents. And we just, I just pray, Lord, that you give us the wisdom and the strength to take the abilities and talents that you give us and use those to make your kingdom bigger and to bring more people to know and understand who you are and who Jesus Christ is. It is in his name that I pray, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, go, go sit down, my man.
and I'm going to ask if all the adults would please stay here um, and not go out to see Chad sing and dance in, in children's church. Trust me, it's not a pretty sight. Um, but thank you, choir. I know that song was not an easy one to sing. But it is a beautiful song. And I thank you. I thank you for that. We are going to continue the sermon series, This Is My Creed. And today we're going to go to the next part of the Apostles' Creed, which is, I believe in Jesus Christ, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. I will tell you, as I was preparing for this sermon and as I studied, I learned a lot. I understand why it is so important now to understand what Scripture teaches and why it's so important to believe in the virgin birth and the conception of the Holy Spirit and bringing our Savior to the earth. So if you would turn to Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at a few verses here. Verses 30 through 35 is where we're going to look at first. If you would please stand for the reverence of reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 35. It says this, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will, not, will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, help us to understand the importance of what we believe. Help us to understand what You are showing us in Your Holy Word. Bless the reading of Your Word and speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. So, as in the last three sermons, I want to start off with the facts. Here are the facts. Jesus' conception and birth are, a, is a, are both of them are a fulfillment of the prophecy. The Old Testament prophecy. You see, Matthew writes in, in chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Now all this book, or all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Everything that we know, everything that was written, everything that took place in regards to the birth of Jesus Christ was done so to fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And we're going to look at some of those today. See, Matthew used these words 
at least a dozen times. This was written to fulfill. This was done to fulfill prophecy. He used those terms in regards to Jesus' conception, His birth, His life, and His death. So it's important that we understand that Jesus Christ fulfilled prophecy. But here's what we have to understand. And what makes Jesus, besides the fact that He's the Son of God, what sets Him apart? There are no prophecies foretelling details about the birth of other religious leaders. See, Jesus wasn't just a religious leader. Jesus was the Messiah. He was the, the Son of God in flesh. See, there's no prophecies that alerted the world to the coming of Muhammad, who started Islam, Joseph Smith, who started Mormonism, Charles Taz Russell, who started Jehovah's Witnesses, Siddhartha Gautama, who started Buddhism, or any other founder of the world's religions. None of them. Jim Jones, David Koresh, Sun Yun Moon. None of them have prophecies foretelling details of their birth or their life or even their death. Not so with Jesus. The Old Testament pinpoint numerous details about the life of the Son of God and Savior of the world. Now tell me that He's not different. So why is the conception of the Holy Spirit and virgin birth so important to what we believe as Christians? Well, first, we have to understand this. That as Mary's biological son, and only the biological son of Mary, Jesus could fulfill the prophecy of Genesis 3.15. You may say, well, what's, what's foretold about Jesus in, in, in Genesis? Well, look at this. <clears throat> Genesis 3.15 says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. See, what we have to understand is because of the fact that Jesus was not conceived in the normal biological way. Jesus, I've already shared this, Jesus had no DNA from Joseph. He had Mary's DNA. But who else's DNA did He have? God's. He did not have Joseph's DNA. That is why he was able to fulfill this Scripture. He was the seed of woman. Joseph had no part in his conception. None. In fact, the Bible tells us that Mary remained a virgin until after Jesus' birth. Some people may say, well, wait a second, how do we know? One, because the Bible says that. It literally says 
that he did not have any relations with her and she remained a virgin until after his death. And we know for a fact that other children were born to Joseph and Mary because James, who wrote the book of James and was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, was Jesus' brother. We know that for a fact. Jesus was biologically only the seed of a woman. The second reason is because Jesus could so Jesus could fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 7. Verses 14 through 16, it says this: Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will become will be with child and bear a son, and she will call him his name Emmanuel, and he will encourage, well, just that verse, just verse 14. He will be born of a virgin. That is a sign that a virgin shall conceive, and his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Third, the fact that Jesus was not a biological descendant from a man is important because Joseph was not in the line of was in the line of Konea or Jaconia. God had declared that Konea would not have a descendant rule on the throne of David. Now let me tell you something. As I'm studying, I am learning more and more about these things. I had no idea. I didn't even recognize this guy's name. I'm like, what's the big deal? So I had to look it up. See, King Josiah had turned Israel back to God. But his descendants did not. And God made a promise In Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 24 through 30, he says, As I live, declares the Lord, even though Konea, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my right hand, yet I would pull you off. And I will give you over into the hand of those who are seeking your life. Yes, into the hand of those whom you dread even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and your mother mother whom bore you into another country where you were not born, and there you will die. But as for the land to which they desire to return, they will not return to it. Is this man, Konea, a despised shattered jar, or is he an undesirable vessel? Why have he and his descendants been hurled out and cast into a land that they have not known? O land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, write this man down childless, a man who will not prosper in his days, for no man of his descendants will prosper sitting on the throne of David or ruling again in Judea. See, God cursed, not only cursed this man, but He also declared that none of His descendants would sit on the throne of David 
ever again. Because Jesus was legally Joseph's son, even though He was legally Joseph's son, He was not biologically descended from Joseph. Thus, Jesus was not from the line of Konea and could fulfill the Mosaic prophecies because Mary also was a descendant of David. See, Jeremiah 23.5 tells us this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. Notice that branch. What's significant about that word? It's capitalized. It's not lowercase, so he's not talking about a shoot or a a branch of the tree of his family tree. It is capitalized because it's referring to one person. It's referring to Jesus Christ. And He will reign as King and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. See, Jeremiah, the same one that wrote about the curse that was placed on Koinia and his descendants, he also wrote the fact that out of David's lineage would rise a righteous branch. The King of kings and Lord of lords. Then look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, where Matthew records the lineage of Jesus. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shetel, and Shetel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud, and Abihud the father of Elikim, and Elikim the father of Azar, and Azar was the father of Zadok. And Zadok was the father of Echim. And Echim was the father of Iliad. And Iliad was the father of Eleazar. And Eleazar was the father of Mathen. And Mathen was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. Okay, notice how he, he, he says that. He doesn't say Jacob was the father of Joseph. Or it says Jacob was the father of Joseph. But it doesn't say Joseph was the father of Jesus, does it? It says Jesus, the husband of who? Mary. By whom Jesus was born. Even Matthew records it differently in regards to Jesus. Then look at what Paul, about Luke writes in chapter 3, verse 23, when he does the lineage of, of Jesus. See, he does it a little bit different. When he began his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Eli. Well, why does Luke say that Joseph was the son of Eli, but Matthew says that he was the son of of Jacob because they're talking about two different people. If you go through the entire lineage that Luke spells out, he is following Mary's line. By marriage, by law, Joseph not only was the son of Jacob, but when he married Mary, he became the son-in-law 
of Eli. The son of Eli. But you trace that lineage, it goes all the way through David on Mary's side also. So, why is the virgin birth so important? It's because it shows that God keeps His promises. God keeps His promises. And then fourth, it is significant that Jesus was not the biological son of Adam. Now, notice it switched from Joseph to Adam because of humanity's sinful nature. See, Jesus came not from a man, but from a woman by the Holy Spirit. Thus, Jesus was not made in the image or likeness of Adam, but of God. See, all men bear Adam's image, which is stained with sin. But Jesus, by virtue of the conception by the Holy Spirit, did not. Romans 5.12 Therefore, just through, as through one man sinner, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of all have sinned. Jesus did not share that lineage with Adam. I want you guys to realize something here. If you read the story of Adam and Eve and them in the garden and, and why God dispelled them from the garden, you will remember that Eve was deceived by the serpent, by Satan, to take the fruit and to eat the fruit. When Eve took the bite of the fruit, what happened? What happened? Nothing. If you read the Bible, nothing happened when Eve took it. But then she took it to Adam and said, Honey, sweetie pie, darling, try this. It's really good. And Adam being the obedient husband, he took a bite of the fruit. And the moment he took a bite of the fruit, what happened? The Bible says immediately their eyes were open and they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. Immediately something happened. Why? Eve was deceived, but Adam was the one that God told, do not do this. There's a lot of preachers out there that are going to preach to you and tell you that you are the same as God. That when they said, don't do this, it's because God wanted, but the moment that God didn't want you to be like them, they're buying into what Satan said. That was the line that he gave Eve. God doesn't want you to eat that fruit because once you do, you'll be just like Him. Guys, there's a lot of preachers out there preaching that as gospel, as fact. And it is a lie from the pit of hell. Satan was the one that came up with that lie. Not God. And the moment Eve took it, nothing happened because she was deceived. But then she took it over and gave it to her husband, to, to Adam. And the moment Adam took a bite, 
Sin entered the world. Disobedience entered the world because he deliberately disobeyed God's rule. Not becoming little g just like God, but becoming the creation that turned their back on the Creator and sinned. That is how sin came into the world. And that lineage, that nature has passed down generation after generation after generation. But because Jesus was not the Son of Adam, but the Son of God, He didn't have that sin nature. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin. The only way that He could know no sin is that He was not a descendant of Adam, but a descendant of God. Very different than us. Very different than us. And we have to understand this, that in the virgin birth, the immaterial, the Spirit, something that cannot be measured, something that cannot be quantified, but something that is immaterial, and the material, Mary's womb, were both involved. Just as at creation, the Spirit of God moved over emptiness to create Everything. Now think about this. In Genesis 1-2, it says this, the earth was formless and void and the darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. And what happened? Everything that we know was created by the power of the Spirit through God's spoken commands. But His Spirit was active at creation. And then look at Luke 1.35 again. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Church, this is what we have to understand. That only God can make something out of nothing. Only God could perform the miracles of creation, the incarnation, and the virgin birth. Only God can do that. The God that spoke the world into existence is certainly powerful enough to say to a virgin that has known no man, you're going to have a child. And then conceive a child in the emptiness of that womb. And see, the virgin birth is also important that it preserves the truth that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time. Please don't ask me to explain how that's possible. I don't understand it. My finite mind cannot wrap my head around the fact that, God, that Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God. That's 200%. It's not physically possible. But let me tell you something, with God, all things are possible. That is a fact. That is something that has to be accepted with faith. And there's nothing that you can tell me that can, can 
can dissuade me from believing that. Jesus Christ was 100% God and therefore He was sinless. But He was also 100% man, which means that He dwelled with us. He felt the same pain as us. He, and so when He died on the cross, He endured all that pain, the same pain that we would experience because He was 100% man. And you can't tell me that He did it and, and, and didn't feel anything because the Bible tells me that when it got closer to time and He was praying in the garden, He's praying so intently that the capillaries in His skin began to burst and He began to sweat drops of blood out of His capillaries because He was so stressed. And it records the prayer that He prayed that He says, my Father, if there's any way that this cup can remove from me, if there's any other way that we can do this without me dying and going through this agony, if there's any other way, please do it. But He didn't leave it that way. He said, not my will, but Thy will be done. I am willing to submit to the power of the Father. I am willing to do whatever it takes for, me, for this to happen, for this creation to be redeemed unto us. I am willing to do whatever it takes, even though physically, through my flesh, I do not want to endure this, but I am willing to do it because I want to save my creation. Look at 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is one man and one mediator also between God and man. What is those next three verses? or the next four verses, or, ver or words say, the man, who? Christ Jesus. If we believe Scripture is true, which is the foundation of everything that we believe, then we have to believe that Jesus Christ was man because the Bible said He was. If He wasn't 100% man, then why did, the, the, did God record in Scripture that He was? Now I want to share with you something that's very misunderstood. The doctrine of immaculate conception. How many people ever heard that? I've heard it my whole life. Well, I learned something by doing this study. The doctrine of immaculate conception is actually a fake, a false doctrine. Now before you go, listen, I have preached it. I've heard Sandra talk about it. I have heard it my entire life with pastors and preachers preaching the immaculate conception. And I have to make you understand that yes, Jesus was immaculately conceived by the Holy Spirit. Many people mistakenly believe that the Immaculate Conception refers to the conception of Jesus Christ. Jesus' conception was immaculate. That is, it's not, he, he was born without the stain of sin. He was conceived without the stain of sin. But the Immaculate Conception does not refer to Jesus at all. You guys understand what I just said? The Immaculate Conception does not refer to the conception of Jesus Christ. 
You see, the Immaculate Conception is a false doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church in regards to Mary. The official statement of the doctrine reads this, the Blessed, Mar- the Blessed Virgin Mary to have been from the first instance of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God in view of the merits of Jesus or Christ Jesus, the Savior of mankind, preserved free from the stain of original sin. And this was Pope Pius IX that said this in December of 1854. Essentially, the Immaculate Conception, the doctrine of Immaculate Conception is the belief that Mary was protected from original sin, that Mary did not have a sin nature and was, in fact, sinless. The Roman Catholic Church bases its teaching of the Immaculate Conception on tradition along with two passages of Scripture. And we've read both of them already. Or, no, we haven't read the first one or the second one. But Genesis 3.15, As I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise him on the heel. They believe that when he says between you and the woman, that that's literally what it's meaning. And then the second verse is Luke one twenty eight. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. That favored one is where they're taking that Scripture from. They're saying that Mary, as the father, mother of Redeemer, needed for the flesh to be free from the power of sin, and God gave her that privilege. From her time in the womb, Mary was sanctified because of her special role in bringing the Son of God incarnate into the world. There's only one problem with this doctrine. The doctrine of, of Immaculate Conception is that it's not taught in Scripture. You cannot find it anywhere. And even the Catholics, Roman Catholics, will admit that Scripture does not directly teach this. The Bible nowhere describes Mary as anything but an ordinary human female from God, whom God chose to be the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible gives us no reason to believe that Mary was sinless. In fact, the Bible gives us every reason to believe that Jesus Christ is the only person who was not infected by sin and never committed a sin. Romans 3.23 says what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. 1 Peter 2.22 Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And 1 John 3.5 or yeah, 3.5 you know, you know that He appeared in order to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. Let's face this fact. If Mary was conceived and born sinless, and in her life was not able to commit sin, 
would she have not been a suitable substitute for Jesus Christ dying on the cross? Yes, she would have. What we are missing here is grace and mercy. How's God's abundant grace and mercy was really shown? How was it really shown to us? The virgin birth of Jesus Christ is an example of God's gracious work on our behalf. God took the initiative. Mary was not looking to become pregnant. It was all God's idea. Joseph had no role in this conception. His body was not involved. So the power had to come from God. See, God took an imperfect person, an imperfect individual that had the sin nature, but they cho He chose her, an imperfect vessel, through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring forth a perfect child. Yes, God showed His favor on Mary by choosing her to be the one that brought the Messiah into the world. But He was not sinless because she was sinless. He was sinless because He was God Almighty becoming flesh. Galatians 4, 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. When the time was right, God sent His Son. And then Hebrews 4.15 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. See, the plan of redemption from sin of God's created man that began before God spoke the world into existence began its final stage with the virgin birth. The moment... The God of all creation stepped down away from His throne to be born in a manger was the greatest act of grace and mercy that could have ever happened. And that grace and mercy culminated in the fact that He gave Himself to die on the cross for us. Not because His mother was sinless. Not because she was made perfect. But He did it for her just as He did it as much for us. When Jesus died on that cross, being God, He knew your name. He knew my name. And He was dying for us. Just as He was dying to provide salvation to His own mother, who if she would have been sinless, would not have needed it. 
He died for His brothers and sisters. He died for His disciples. He died for all of us. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this, Who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was granted us in, Jesus, or in Christ Jesus from all eternity. From, from the very beginning of time. God had a plan. God's plan was to have His Son leave glory. To have His Son be conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin. To be born. To grow. To go through life just as we do. To experience the pain just as we do. And to give Himself over as the perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty of our sins. Church, if we can explain away or say that the virgin birth and the conception of the Holy Spirit is a myth, then what's the point in believing any of the rest of it? Our foundation and belief is Scripture. Everything that we believe is based on Scripture. The fact that God is God Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and that Jesus Christ was His only Son, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, all of that is bedrock. All of that is the foundation of what we believe. And if we can explain away any of it, there's no point in believing all of it. He is either a lunatic, he is either a liar, or he is exactly who he says he is, and that is God Almighty. Jehovah, the great I Am. There is no in-between. And we have to be firm in what we believe. We have to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And He was miraculously conceived in order for us to understand and believe anything else. Now church, this is your opportunity to do whatever God is calling you to do. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I would love to introduce Him to you. Please come. Don't leave this place. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed another second. You're not guaranteed another breath. Please. Don't leave this place without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. If He is leading you to become and unite with our church and become part of this fellowship, don't leave without doing that. If you just need to come to the altar or pray or kneel where you are and pray, do whatever God is asking you to do. Don't wait. Take this opportunity as we sing this song to do whatever it is God's calling you to do. Stand as we sing hymn number 426, Victory in Jesus. <laughs> story how a savior came from glory how he gave his life on calvary 
6 o'clock, we're planning to be at the creek. Bring whatever you want to bring to, to share with everybody else to eat. Don't forget your chairs. But in case it is raining, we will be in the fellowship hall. Don't forget that also. Thank you all of you that came in early and got your pictures taken. If you have not got pictures taken yet, just stop by and get your picture taken. It's painless. There's no sales pitch takes less than a minute to get your picture taken. Get back in there. We're not done yet. <laughs> uh, don't forget that. Um, thank you for those that came and got your picture taken. Also, don't forget Wednesday night, 6.30. Don't forget about the deacon training. I need to know uh, leadership training. If, if you're wanting to go, let me know by Wednesday night. And don't forget about the the training for the jail ministry. And now, Joanne, come here for a second. If you don't know her, this is my nutty friend, Joanne. In fact, I, I, every time she comes up to me, she calls me, I, I tell her, I said, what's wrong now, you crazy nut? But I love this woman. and You, you got to come up here on stage.
announced last Sunday. Pull that down a little bit. That Joanne was going to be retiring. I got a lot of shocked looks when I told that. You know, she's a little over 50 now. <laughs> and, uh, just a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> but she also has some health issues, and um, she's got cataracts, and so she can't see, and some of the medicine is making her hands shake. So uh, she wanted to go ahead and take an early retirement, but she's not retiring from the choir or from the church. <laughs> but we do want to just take a moment of thanking you, Joanne. Uh, God gave us the gift of music. And thank the Lord, Joanne has shared that gift with us for 21 years. <laughs> now, you don't just wake up one morning and can play the piano. <laughs> it took years of practice and lots of money to get her where she is. So we thank you for giving of yourself in that, but also for the dedication. You know, you can lay out a church whenever you want, <laughs> but the staff has to be here every Sunday and every Wednesday, and we thank you for your dedication. We also thank you for not just playing notes, but for putting yourself into the music and expressing your love for our Lord and Savior. We also thank you for your kindness, your kind heart. She does have a kind heart, <clears throat> and she always made sure the choir members had a pencil at every rehearsal. <laughs> so Crestview Baptist Church would like to present you with this plaque. Joanne Pittman, with love and appreciation for 21 years of service to God and to us as our pianist, we love you, Crestview Baptist Church. August the 27th, 2023. Again, thank you for a job well done. I'm gonna ask Joanne if she will go on out uh, and stand with Artie so as you leave, you can tell her yourself personally, thank you. And I think Terry is going to dismiss, dismiss us in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the message that we received today. Lord, it sure touched everybody's heart and all. It did mine. Lord, let us go and, uh, and worship those that we witnessed and stuff, you know, to come back to the house to witness from you, Lord, get the blessing. And, Lord, I do pray that all the ones that are out sick and stuff, that they will, you can touch their hearts and their spirits and stuff, that they shall come back and, all, and receive the blessings from you again and be with all of us in your house. In your name, Jesus, amen.